Welcome to the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. And this is Calvin here. What's been new, Calvin? Really, really well. The Lord's been just kind of growing me a lot as far as just walking in, like, identity, like, on a far more consistent basis. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like letting his truth be truth, no matter what. So, like, today I kind of had a really cool opportunity to just share the gospel with a coworker. Just really, like, all around, like, awesome dude. Very open, very transparent, very honest. And, like, um, having talks with him, like, today, which is really, really encouraging. So, like, um, I've been growing a lot as far as, like, becoming more open about, like, where I am, like, and things like that in my life. But um, had some death in the family recently. Uh, we oh, lost shoot. a cousin of mine to uh, lung cancer. And uh, also, my mother lost her aunt not too long ago. Man. So, like, within the past two weeks, we've had those things happen. So, like, from a family standpoint, I believe she's doing well. And she's at a spot where, like, she's growing to see, like, you know, eternity and the fact that we're not all going to live forever. But how to, like, take advantage of moments that we do have while we're here. So, um, being a, having, like, walking with her through that has been just really, really cool to see how far she's grown. So, like, that's been awesome. Uh, as far as me, like, I've just been working a ton and growing a ton, playing a little guitar, picking the old strings for a little bit, so that's been kind of keeping me busy. Worship night, uh, we didn't have worship night, we had dudes group the other day. Um, really, really good group. It was small, but I had a chance to see a couple of people I didn't get to see for a while. What yeah, about so you, brother, man? I'm really glad that you guys are able to meet at that uh, that church so we, uh, for anyone listening, we used to have like basically house church stuff um, at my house and then um, another friend of ours, uh, the, his house, um, but a local church that's really small and um, just kind of got a church building not too long ago. Um, they were meeting out of a house previously. Um, they connected up with Calvin and some of our other friends uh, just in time to make the switch over there. So. I'm really glad yeah. that's taken shape. Yeah, shout out to uh, Pastor Dan Tackett, senior and junior, and uh, Restoring Hope Church in Wyandotte, Michigan. Uh, Sunday services are at 10.30 a.m., and if you're in the area, feel free to drop by. It's an awesome, amazing community, very welcoming, some of the just the most amazing, just genuine, sincere people I've ever met. So if you're not a part of a church home and you are listening to this and you're curious, like feel free to drop by. Like it'd be awesome. And if you're from Downriver, Michigan, a lot of factors, a lot of factors in there. Pretty specific. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. For myself, uh, I've been working a temp job, driving, um, driving guys who do bell ringing, similar to like Salvation Army, outside of businesses to raise money uh, for donations. Um, it's a local um, shelter, um, men's homeless shelter in the area, and uh, I just drive the guys out in the morning. Um, switch guys out in the afternoon and then pick up the second shift uh, in the evening. So it's three shifts a day, but it's they're all short shifts. Um, most of the time is spent just driving in the van, um, sometimes talking to the guys, sometimes being quiet and awkward. Um, but it's been good. Um, a lot of really cool talks, um, mostly just trying to get to know who they are. And it is, it's, it is just kind of a wild, eye-opening thing to me. Um, people that are just in situations that I can't even imagine. Some of them are there because of bad choices, you know. Some of them because of addiction. Some of them because of uh, injuries and they just, like, don't have family to turn to. Um, some of them just because of financial trouble that struck um, at tough times, so. It's just kind of wild. Um, has given me a very different outlook, just on a home homelessness in general. Um, I'm just gonna say it now. I'm planning on in the near future having one of the guys who basically runs a shelter um, on the podcast in the future. Um, so if that doesn't happen and you're listening to this and you're like, "What the heck?" Uh, you should shoot me a message and be like, "Hey, Josh, that thing that you mentioned, I want to hear that." Because um, I would love to share that with everybody. Today our guest is Loyal Thurman. Loyal is the uh, founder of Unified Underground, which is a ministry very close to, I guess you could say, our scene 
that me and Calvin are familiar with. A really cool thing that I didn't even know existed until a couple years back. But apparently a whole lot of our friends uh, are interconnected with this ministry. We just wanted to have him on uh, to share his heart um, and to share about the ministry, share about his story. Uh, yeah, Unified Underground is probably unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, being the fact that the first time I ever had a chance to go, it was us. We went out to uh, GR Grand Rapids at Take Hold Church. And just like a totally different dynamic from what I normally would expect from like a conference. Being that a lot of the people who are at this conference were from just different backgrounds. I guess college student to like hardcore punk to like your metalcore kids all in the same place, like seeking to grow and to like learn more of who Jesus is. And, like, uh, it was just amazing to watch those people who normally, by, like, worldly standards, would have nothing in common. Just, like, love each other and interact in a way I've never seen before. So, for me, it was pretty dynamic getting to see that happen for the first time. And then upon that, like, the preaching was amazing. Yeah, this I definitely totally believe in back this ministry, like, hardcore. Yeah, and um, Loyal was one of the uh, speakers at that conference. He actually talked about transitions, like, huge transitions that are going um, on in the life of the ministry that is unified underground. Um, but instead of uh, me telling you about that, we'll talk to uh, to Loyal about that and uh, get his take. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Doing good, man. All right, so Loyal, it was kind of interesting to me that we happened to meet at the last unified underground conference. <laughs> I, I like didn't hear of Unified Underground until somewhat recently, and then I was like, "Oh, this is a thing that exists, like for kind of our scene or whatnot." Do you want to go into just, uh, I guess, briefly um, what Unified Underground um, was and what it currently is? Yeah, not a problem. So we are a ministry of Youth for Christ USA. Uh, we started back in Louisville, Kentucky, back in 1998. And our entire focus was to reach the underground subculture youth. Uh, over the years, we've developed into what we are today. And uh, we are a ministry of Youth for Christ uh, USA all across the country. We're one of the nine national ministries of Youth for Christ. And we focus on reaching um, underground music, underground action sports, and the underground sci-fi fantasy gaming community. So uh, almost what I like to call the nerddom. <laughs> but uh, as you can see, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I, I grew up in that uh, within hardcore and also in skateboarding. Uh, that was always uh, kind of what a lot of my friends were into, and, and I loved it very deeply. So uh, I started realizing a couple years ago that we weren't reaching every type of underground person. And it bothered me because I've always wanted to be extremely inclusive of the subculture youth because we've always been um, ostracized and kind of left to the side um, inside of the church. Um, our old ministry name, before we turned our ministry name into Unified Underground, was Hope for the Rejected. And uh, I think that really still holds the heart of what we are trying to do. We are trying to bring hope uh, to the rejected subcultures of the United States and the world. Um, people who always feel ostracized, left out, and discarded. Um, and my heart has always been, you know, if somebody doesn't feel like the church is welcoming them, then there's a problem because Jesus welcomes everyone um, to be able to know that he loves them. Um, he is very open to uh, sharing himself with the entire world. And so I feel that when we kind of leave this group over here and, and, oh yeah, I'm sorry, nobody can reach them because we don't really know how, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. um, I've always modeled myself after St. Patrick. Um, St. Patrick's my favorite saint, uh, even more so than some of the disciples, uh, some of the apostles. I, I love St. Patrick because St. Patrick was one of these guys who basically was told reaching this barbaric Celtic group in Ireland is impossible. Nobody can reach that group. 
So sure, you, you want to go over there and try to reach them, go ahead, try. But uh, we know that they can't read, and, and we know that that group is completely uh, just crazy, and they're not going to accept our canons of faith, so let's just let them die, is basically how the church viewed them at the time. And St. Patrick had a vision from God, basically, that God loved these people, and that God wanted St. Patrick to go reach them. And so he went, and because God was directing his steps, he reached a people group that was druid, worshipped different gods, did not understand who the triune Elohim was, did not understand this, this Christian God. And as he goes over there to reach them, 300 years after St. Patrick, the Celtic people had completely walked away from druidism, had wow. completely allowed that religion to fall apart and had accepted Jesus as the one true God. And to me, that's exactly the kind of culture I came into when I was, you know, nine years old skateboarding and 15 years old entering into the punk rock and hardcore community. Um, so I guess I can tell you that story if you'd like to hear it, where I actually came from. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear um, not only the origins of Hope for the Rejected, um, and uh, your personal ties to that. But how did you come to know Jesus in the first place? Okay, cool. So um, when I uh, was growing up, um, my parents were Christian. And um, that's not really something I focus a lot on because I've spent a lot of time studying other religions. Mm -hmm. But I accepted Christ at four years old when my father explained to me the crucifixion. Um, he explained to me who Jesus was. And after hearing this story about how God came to earth to die on a cross because humanity had let him down and humanity had basically uh, turned their back on God. So God still pursued that relationship that he would die on a cross to forgive the sins of the world. As a four-year-old kid, I got it. Um, some wouldn't, but I understood that if Christ laid his life down for me, then my life was forfeit. My life was laid down for his. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like trading a toy. If um, God gives me the best toy in the world and I have a crappy toy that I can hand him back, I'm going to hand that toy back. And even though that's kind of a weird analogy to look at your life, but when you look at what God's really giving us, that's perfect, shiny, and new, and what we have is jaded and messed up. Mm -hmm. That is the best analogy I can say for what God offers and what we give in, in return, which is our life. So at four, I understood that. And really, until I hit about nine years old, nothing really changed in my life much. Uh, my parents weren't religious every Sunday Christians. My, my family kind of was a once-a-month Christian <laughs> where they would go to church once a month. But um, what happened was, is uh, so nine years old, I went to uh, a school um, down on Bardstown Road, which was kind of a, a school for kids uh, who needed to um, have a little help with studying because I was uh, ADD, <laughs> like crazy. And I needed to learn a few skills on how to deal with that. So what happened was, is I'm going down to this school and um, – I, I wasn't fitting in with the jocks and with the kids that liked football or, or basketball. or um, I wasn't fitting in with these kids. And in Louisville, Kentucky, basketball is a religion. Like, almost everybody loves basketball. I loved music, and I loved, you know, different things. I, 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 you know, up here, football is a religion. People love the Ravens. To be honest, I could care less. Mm -hmm. I, I, what I care about is music. And I love skateboarding, and I like stuff that is more individually challenging than team sports. And that is, is kind of the kind of kid that I was, and the kind of kid I still reach today is that kind of kid. Um, so in the process of uh, turning you know, nine and going to this school, um, I wasn't uh, fitting in with a lot of the kids. But the kids I fit in with were the artists and the skateboarders. And I was not that great at skateboarding, but I loved the anti-hero mentality of the skateboarding uh, culture. And um, 
So as I, I got more into it, and this was around the birth of the Bones Brigade and, and Pal Peralta and, and before Tony Hawk became king of skateboarding, back when Mike McGill was ruling the ramps, that's the kind of culture that I got into. And um, then when I realized I wasn't excellent at skateboarding and I was kind of like, well, I don't know how much I can really stay in this culture if I'm not great at skateboarding. I had a friend who was a skateboarder who invited me to a show. And I went to my first show at 15 years old. And uh, it was at this place called The Machine, um, which was in St. Matthews in Louisville, Kentucky. And they had converted a laser tag facility into the coolest venue you've ever seen. I still look back on this as one of the best venues I still have ever been in. Wow. And I might be polishing it up a little bit because it was my first experience in hardcore and punk rock. But I would still love to run that facility today. Um, so I walk into my first show, and my mom, you know, being 15 years old, she was like, dude, this place is sketchy, Loyal. Are you sure you want to go into this? And I said, I have a friend who's inside. He's going to meet me here. We're going to be, I'm going to be fine, Mom. And I said, I also kind of feel like I'm supposed to go. And she knew that I was I was living my, my life and my faith. I had just finished reading This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti and was understanding kind of the spiritual turmoil in the world. And so I go into my first show. Well, little to my knowledge, my friend had been grounded. And uh, I was in alone in a punk rock show as an outsider who at the time listened to Nirvana and Soundgarden. And to be honest, I'm an outsider. I don't belong there, especially uh, listening to bands that the radio was calling grunge at the time, even though now we understand that that was just the way Seattle did punk rock. Um, it's interesting uh, to me that I'm walking into this show as an outsider and a Christian at that, which is really an outsider. And I'm watching this band up on stage and the lead singer has his fist raised high, yelling at everybody out in the crowd. And the crowd is all yelling back at this guy on the stage. And I'm standing back in the shadows watching this. And I said, I get it, man. This is awesome. There is aggression. There is fun. There is people speaking their mind in this. And this is something I would be interested in. I also realized at the time that these kids are ticked off at the world. They want to burn it to the ground. And as a Christian at the time, I realized, of course, they want to burn it to the ground. This world is full of sin. It's full of hate. It's full of, of pain. And it's full of everything that God did not intend it to be. Because we have kind of screwed it all up. If God basically hands you a present and says, this is yours, and you decide to flush it down a toilet, then you screwed up the present, not God. Mm -hmm. And i that's the way I look at what humanity as an entire group of, of, of humans has done to this world for thousands of years. We have flushed it down the toilet. So I'm watching this and I'm like, they're angry at their parents. They're angry at society. They're angry at politicians. They're angry at God. They're angry at everything. And I said, they have every right to be. Um, there was something at that time, being 15 years old, that I was starting to realize in the church, that they paint it very pretty, that they, they paint this picture of flowers and, and walking through a field, and Jesus is kind of this hippie friend to everybody. But I was starting to see that there's a different, um, a different picture in Christianity. When you read Revelation, we have a God who breathes swords from his mouth. <laughs> um, we worship a God who has fire in his eyes. We, ha we worship a God who is a lion and a lamb and comes across more like a deity from Hinduism than this, this hippie that wears sandals all the time walking down the street uh, in, in you know Colorado. And I really want people to understand that if you've got this weird, creeped out, you know, pot smoking Jesus that you kind of look at, you haven't read the whole book. You haven't gotten the whole picture yeah. of who Jesus is. And my Jesus is not that Jesus. My Jesus is the full picture of Jesus that the Old Testament, you know, prophesies about and the New Testament fulfills. 
And yes, he's a God of love, but he's also a God of equal love and equal justice. And that's not what I feel is kind of portrayed today. Um, and so what I understood at that show was that they didn't have a real picture of who God was. And I walked out and I was sitting on a curb waiting for my mom to come pick me up. And what was so wild is I hear God and I hear him in my heart and it wasn't audible. It wasn't like loyal. Here you are. You know, it was, it was like in my heart. It was just this little voice and this little voice inside my head, which I knew wasn't my own said, who's reaching those kids. And I responded back in my head because it wasn't audible. And I said, I don't know God because <laughs> I knew it was God because the scripture says that his sheep will hear his voice. You'll know that that's his voice. And I said, I don't know God. And he's like, you are reach him. And that next weekend I went back to a show and the following weekend I went back to a show. And if there wasn't a show, I was hanging out with somebody from a show and it became my life. You know, I was 15 I'm 39 today. I'm still reaching those kind of kids. And to me, it's about sharing the true God with them and not just proselyting and, and handing out tracts. I don't really believe in that at all. What I'm about is living among my people and sharing Christ when they're interested to hear about him. And if they want to know how you get through life, sharing at that point what you believe. Mm -hmm. And what was crazy is it took me about two years to get into the scene because, see, I am an outsider at that time. I'm a Christian for one thing, and there was a belief system inside of the underground hardcore scene that all are welcome. We're going to be open to everyone except for Christians. We can have uh. atheists and agnostics and neo-pagans, and we can have um, those that worship Krishna because there were tons of Krishnas in Louisville. You can have people who worship Hinduism or Buddhism or any other medley of Eastern religion. But Christianity is up because you're all a bunch of closed-minded bigots, is what I, I kept hearing again and again. And the thing that hit me was this. You're calling me a closed-minded bigot without even knowing what I believe. You think yeah. what I believe. Because whatever president was at the time was claiming to be a Christian, and I do hit that aspect of claiming, because I can't judge them, but I know we're supposed to love our enemies, and I know we're supposed to pray for those who persecute us. And I don't always see that in a lot of people who claim Christianity. Um, a lot of my friends that are atheist or agnostic, one of the first conversations we have it always seems to come back to the Crusades, and they're like, well, Christians did this. And I always like to bring up, Christians had no part in the Crusades. And, and I usually get gigantic eyes looking back at me when I say that. And I said, well, when Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, then how can those people claim to be followers of Christ yeah. when you were over there killing your enemies? There is nothing Jesus, nothing Christian about the Crusades at all. Right. Um, and that is my heart when it comes to the Crusades and some of the atrocities that have been done in the name of Jesus are just that. They're atrocities. But the biggest atrocity to me is that that was done in God's name when he did not endorse it. Yeah. But that's kind of how I got my start in, in doing underground ministry. Uh, a couple years later, um, I went to, uh, well, I was 18 at the time. I moved back down to Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I actually, <laughs> this is a whole nother story, but I had spent some time overseas in Bali, Guam, Saipan, Tinian, Taiwan. Um, my father was an airlines pilot who was flying cargo. And um, we, he's kind of like a, a trucker of the skies is how I always considered it because we never had any money. Um, but he got based in Anchorage, Alaska for a time. And I lived my junior and senior year in Alaska. And then as soon as I could get out of there and get back to where underground music was king, I, I flew back down to Kentucky. And at that time, Initial Records, which was a huge, um, uh, really indie rock record label, which is kind of weird for a hardcore kid and a kid who loves punk rock to be living in indie rock capital uh, at the time. But that's where we were, and there were great shows that came through. And um, But we, I moved back down to Louisville, Kentucky, 
and started going to shows constantly. Every summer that I would be out of school, I was in Kentucky going to shows. Up in Alaska, I was skateboarding and going to uh, a nightclub up there that all the subcultures kind of culminated in. Uh, it was run by goths, but all the subcultures went there on the weekend. And, um, and so we could hang out and get to know other people uh, around the area. But what was so cool is when I came back down to Louisville, it was all about being in the scene, uh, going to shows, um, hanging out. And in the process, I talked with a lot of straight edge kids. I was a huge straight edge kid back then and uh, would share my beliefs with them, even though many of them were not Christian. Quite a few of my friends accepted Christ. Quite a few of my friends did not. I don't make friends with people to convert them to Christ, but I do believe it's truth. So I share my faith very openly with those that are my friends because I expect everyone who is a friend of mine to be very open with me about what they believe. So that kind of culminates um, how I got into underground um, hardcore and punk rock. And that doesn't really explain the start of UU, but it explains my start in the culture. Yeah. So um, you as like a young teen, um, were you, would you say that you were attending shows like kind of with that purpose um, after that first show? Or was it just like, I really like this scene and like, I really want to like listen to this music or was it kind of like God just really impressed a passion for the people? I believe it's both and. Um, there was a lot of learning in those early days about what is a Christian? How do you share your faith? Uh, are you supposed to be uh, in people's faces, basically ticking them off and trying to uh, uh, get them to believe as you believe? Um, what was very interesting over the years that I've learned is if you want to be heard— you have to spend time hearing. <laughs> if yeah. you want to be heard, you better put your ear to the rail and listen to what they're saying. Not just so that you can spit out what you want to say, but that you truly care about somebody. And I mean deeply care about them. I mean, I have friends that I know may never accept Christ, but I love them. And I'll serve them. And I'll take care of what they need done in the culture because I don't just go to shows, but I love the culture. Yeah. It's part of who I am. It's part of how I was raised. I, I still um, and I, am an idealist to a portion. I believe in the origins. I believe in the foundations, the belief system of the underground scene. And I think it took me two years to get into that culture because – for one thing, I was seen as an outsider because I was a Christian and because, you know, unless your older brother goes to shows or your older sister goes to shows, you are an outsider when you come into the scene and you have to you have to prove yourself. Um, that's one thing that's been always uh, the truth of the subculture. Are you truly subculture or are you a tourist? <laughs> and to me, you know, I came in because I like the music. I like heavy music personally. Uh, praise and worship music, um, unless it has some amazing lyrics, is is milk toast to me, and I don't really like it. There are a couple praise and worship songs that I think kick butt. I think they're they're awesome, and and I'll listen to them all day long. But it's the words that are powerful. I want people to see the real Jesus, and when you listen to some of these songs, they paint Jesus in this holy multi-dimensional super being you know um stasis that he really is he's much bigger than we are yeah. the thing i always get irritated at is when theologians and christians think that they've just totally figured god out it it almost infuriates me now there is pure doctrine there are pure teachings in the church but for one second, I don't care who you are or how much theology you studied, explain to me the multidimensional super being that is three in one that we worship as Christians. Explain to me how that's possible, how you can have three uh, separate persons, three separate personalities in one that is in complete unity. Explain that to me. The only picture we totally understand about who God is is through what the Bible has revealed to us. And there is still mystery in that, and there's still things that we have to figure out. Mm -hmm. But 
we have to do it through the context that he has shown us. And that's where all the religious studies I've done in the past over other religions, they go missing. They're missing something. Because the more you study them, there are more questions that are out there than are answered. And when I look at the, the concept of Jesus, and, and I look at this person, Jesus, and this relationship I have with Jesus, it's a more complete picture. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to talk to anybody about that. I think especially in like the underground scene, like uh, having the attitude of having God figured out or having things figured out like would definitely not fly. Yeah, so like for you, um, I don't know, like wh- what has been kind of your approach and uh, I guess the balance there uh, in sticking firm like to your to your faith um, yet not coming across or like conveying that like you do have it figured out and that you are, you are like quote unquote right about your beliefs. Well, I think, I think a lot of that comes down to the point that hardcore has always been about being bold. You know, yeah. recently, uh, when metalcore has kind of come into it, it's watered down some of those original viewpoints inside of what hardcore is. Um, it gets mo- more poetic than it does hard hitting about your beliefs and your stances and, and your love for your friends and your family. But the thing that has always been true uh, with the culture I was raised in is that whatever you believe, you better freaking believe it to the point that you can stand up for it. You know it enough that you can speak your mind about it. And if you believe it enough, you get it tattooed on you. You know, I grew up in straight edge culture. I can't tell you how many kids are walking around with straight edge tattoos or cover ups today that were straight edge and are not today. As a Christian, I was happy to put Christ on my arm to tattoo different symbols of the faith on me. Because when it comes down to it, I'm never changing my belief system because I know God. Um, and I think one of the, the things that has, has hit me very hard um, has been this concept of um, I'm not going to shove my religion down your throat. If you're not interested in hearing it, I'm not going to show you the deepest portions of the most pure thing in my life. And, and what I mean by that is there's a scripture that says very clearly, don't cast your pearls before swine. Yeah. And I'm not saying that those that don't want to hear what I'm saying are swine, but what I'm saying is I'm not going to give you what is so valuable to me for you to just spit on it. Mm-hmm. If you don't care, then that's between you and God. Um, if you do care and you really do care about me and want to know what I believe, I will share it with you. I will show you that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you're my true friend and I and I care about you— I want to know what you believe, too. And see, this is something that I think is really sick in our culture today. We have this concept of tolerance, which to me is intolerance. Um, and, And what I mean by that is this. I can love one of my friends. I can love all my friends, even if I don't agree with them. And they can love me even if they disagree with me. They do not have to um, align 100% for us to be friends. I think, uh, so we just had an election in this country. And 50% of this country likes one candidate. And the, what, 55% likes this other candidate. And so this other candidate wins. Half of our country split in half right now. Um, as a Christian, I didn't vote for either. I'm completely neutral. I'm allowing other people to make the decision on who they want to rule them. Because in my life, Christ rules me. I don't have a ruler in this country. Um, There was an ancient teaching in the church that said, no king but King Jesus. Our foundation of our uh, structure in America had that as a belief system, no king but King Jesus. It started the Revolutionary War. If you want to go farther back, look at the Desert Saints' teachings, the ones that walked out on Constantine when he was ruling Rome and declared Christianity the religion of Rome. These Christians said, nah, Caesar is not our king. Jesus is our king. He's polluting the church. We're leaving the church or or leaving the 
not the church, but we are leaving the uh, society that is claiming to be the church that is not the church. And so they went outside of Egypt and established monastic communities to worship God because they didn't want the church to be polluted by a corporate church. And so what I'm trying to say there is I always want to hear what my friends have to say, whether I agree with them or not. But I don't, I don't base my friendships on who gets along with me or who's a Christian and agrees with every single aspect of things I, I agree with. Some of my favorite people in the world, and, and should I just say my favorite people in the world, are usually those outside of the church. And this is why. They do not um, see the same as I see. Um, and as a Christian, it's very important for me to realize that Christ came and died on the cross for everyone on this planet, but for them to be saved and to, and to find that enlightenment, should we say, that, that eternal enlightenment that gains them access to God for eternity, somebody has to communicate with them. Well, you don't just have to tell them and, and if, you know, turn or burn and walk away, but what if the way that we communicate the best to them is to live alongside them? to love them and show them who God is by the way we act and by what we say. And maybe instead of being uh, a complete and utter jerk to them, we actually start to love them. That's what I believe that we do in the scene. And any time a Christian comes across as a bigot, a hater, uh, someone who is closed-minded, um, we're doing a detriment to our church. But every single time we compromise, we say something that we know is not biblical, every single time that we uh, side with the culture of the day um, just to be tolerant and to not uh, share our true belief systems, we're being just as detrimental to Christ and to the kingdom as we would be by preaching with hate or preaching with intolerance. So there's a balance there, and I believe most Americans are doing it wrong, to be mm. honest. Along similar lines, like when someone's going through a really rotten time, um, when I try to be a comfort to them, it's usually a mess um, because like I'm trying, it's almost as though I'm like approaching them uh, with the mindset that, that I have something that they need um, and that I can provide yeah. something to them. Um, where when I'm just like genuinely wanting to be a friend and wanting to be there, um, just wanting to be present, I think that that like the comfort comes with that automatically. Um, but like similarly, when it comes to sh sharing the gospel, um, I'm not saying that it as a cop out of like not using my words, but more so um, when I like look at someone as an individual who's loved by God, um, who is in need of him, not. I have something that they need, but like, you know, like God is who they need. Um, yeah. and I just like want to see them for who they are. Um, then, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It completely frees me to just rely on the Holy spirit, um, to guide those conversations and like, all right, God, like I want you to draw them, you know, like I can't, I'm not capable of drawing their heart to you. Um, but I sure as heck want to be obedient, you know? Um, to yeah. whatever you're leading me towards. So, I don't know. To me, it's just like I, that huge, huge shift trying to reach them compared to just treating them like a, a human being who's loved by God who wants a relationship with them. Yeah. So, St. Francis never said uh, to preach the gospel at all times and if, um, if needed to use words. He never said that phrase. But it actually is in some of the canons of his uh, his monastery. Uh, the the concept of that is um, the concept is basically this: live as a Christian, always be a Christian, and if you have to back that up, your words are going to come along with the things that you're already living. So basically, live as a Christian. That's my belief and my teaching inside of the underground scene. You never get to take off the vest. You never get to take off the um, um, robe of being a Christian. If you do, you're being a hypocrite. But 
when you're at a show, people are going to see you as a Christian. Just don't be a prick about it. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to be at a show representing God, then you better be showing love. You better be shining truth off of you. Um, you better be uh, always ready to give uh, a testimony, always ready to give an account of why you believe. It doesn't mean you have yeah. to go around handing a track to every single person you come into contact with. You know, I, I went to a Slayer, Meshuggah, and Sick of It All show years ago. And what was so funny at that show is I go into that show and one of my kids was laughing his head off at the time saying, oh my gosh, my youth minister's taking me to see Slayer. He, he just thought it was the funniest thing that I took him to a Slayer concert. But as we're walking in, there was this old man who's not an underground person at all with a group of people out front handing everybody a track as they walk in. And the second we walked into this giant venue, there was a Rubbermaid garbage can all the way to the top, stacked with tracks, overflowing. Wow. And it spoke so deeply to my heart that, you know, probably 15 years later, I'm talking about it. <laughs> because I walk in, and at the time I was wearing a Living Sacrifice shirt. Love you know, them. Yeah, Reborn album is an amazing album. It was almost a mixture of hardcore and old school metal because the lyrics are very hardcore. It has breakdowns. It, it fits hardcore. But, you know, Living Sacrifice was a metal band, you know, mm -hmm. in the same vein as, you know, Slayer or Metallica. So I walk in wearing a Living Sacrifice shirt, and before I even get into the main area, Somebody had come up and started talking to me about living sacrifice, you know, and said, well, I'm not a Christian, but I really like that. And I said, well, why did you bring up that you're not a Christian? Because isn't it just music? And he's like, no, they're a Christian band, but they are amazing. They have great. And next thing you know, I'm into a discussion about Christianity at a Slayer concert. Yeah. I didn't bring it up. And I'm not usually the one to tip my hat to wearing a shirt and allowing that shirt to do your preaching for you. <laughs> But at this point, it was something that somebody else brought up, and we were into a discussion. Um, so that was kind of interesting. But um, I believe that you should always be ready to share why you believe. That doesn't mean that you always just look for an opportunity to shove it down somebody's throat. So we have to be wise. Um, if you see that somebody is turning off a conversation— you need to be very attuned to what they're saying and how they're responding with body language. That if they basically start a conversation and then you can tell they want out of it, let them out of it as fast as you can. Yeah. Because you do not want to be the tool of hardening their heart. If they are curious and they open up a door of curiosity about Christianity and you start going down that door and you can tell that they uh, are no longer curious or that something you said has turned them off, immediately change the subject because you do not want to be that person who puts another bad taste in their mouth of Christianity because there are way too many people who have done that over the years. I guess like in my case, like at work, like uh, I have no problem like sharing my faith. and I've always been kind of like growing and becoming more open with that. But uh, we were talking today, just randomly me and uh, one of these guys I was working with, just hanging out. Uh, just talking about like shows and stuff that he used to go to. He mentioned something about post hardcore. We were talking. He was like, "You remind me of one of those kids I see at, like a metal show or something like that." I'm like, "Dude, that's my scene, man!" Like, yeah. He's like, "Yeah, I went to go see Silverstein and like Senses Fail, and uh, then I went to go see Corn and uh, Slipknot at Mayhem Fest." I'm like, "Dude, Corn? Like, dude, no way!" And I was like, "Dude, Brian Hale Welch. You know the Corn and Fieldy do stuff with like the Whosoever's? He's like, who are those dudes?" I'm like, "Bro, you don't know about the Whosoever's?" from there conversation spun about jesus and we talked about christ for like an hour yeah but like completely out of nowhere just kind of just naturally segued but like you were saying about tracks like i'm not against them but at the same time if you're gonna pass one to someone like be ready to have the conversation like don't just give one out and just be like all right jesus loves you walk away like have the courage to tell them why well there's a lot of people who will invite their friends to church and I'm not saying don't do that either. But if you need to invite somebody to church so that they can 
explain what you truly believe instead of just being able to share why you believe, then you need to go deeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I love Shane to death up there at take hold. Uh, he's a good friend. He's an old friend of mine, but if you need Shane to explain why you believe you need to spend more time with Shane to find out what you believe alone. And, and that's just for anybody who's listening who, you know, has a hard time articulating what you believe, because I want you to be deeper in your faith. That relationship you personally have with Jesus is the most important thing in the universe, not just this planet. And for you to um, grow in that relationship, to deepen that relationship, to the point where you can actually say, I love Jesus, um, not you like him, not um, he's a good guy or uh, yeah, well, he's my God. No, if you can take it to the point, I love him. I would take a bullet for him the same way I'd take a bullet for my kids. If you can get to that point, then your relationship's getting deep. Hmm. Um, and, and I want everybody to find that relationship because that's the relationship that has helped me walk through some really hard times in my own personal life. Hmm. That relationship with Jesus, when I don't understand why hardships are hitting me, but I know he loves me. And I know that he's not just torturing me for torture's sake, that he is allowing something to happen, maybe because I need to grow in an area of my life that is not perfected yet. It's interesting, just like uh, being, just having like, I don't know, like a sincere expression of like, of faith. I think, uh, you know, like when you're talking earlier about like Christians not being accepted in the underground and metal scene, like when you were first around the, the scene. But yeah, like what you were saying, like when we're willing to hear, that's when we can be heard. Um, just when when we have like a genuine faith and like there is uh, just like proof of that faith because of the way that we treat people. Um, I've had so many conversations with people that don't give a crap about God at all, but they can tell that I'm not BSing them when I'm telling them about my love for Jesus. Um, and I think that that's kind of, one of the key things is just not BSing, you know? Um, I mean, like most of what, what you've been saying is just like knowing why you believe what you believe, um, being able to stand up under it. Um, cause, uh, plenty of people have had fake expressions or just, uh, I don't have felt like projects to people have felt like, uh, people are trying to get another notch on their belt as far as like leading them to Jesus, but to actually truly sincerely care and truly be sincere in your beliefs. Like that's something that, that stands out. Yeah, no, I totally, totally see that. And, um, I think there's such a deeper level with our faith that we can go. Um, if we're willing to explore the relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. and being real, I mean, people value that, but I believe that that's at the very core of what it is to be a Christian. You know, um, Christ created us for a purpose and to live a fake, uh, unsincere life. That's not what, what the Christian life is about at all. You know, like people who walk through the doors on Sunday morning and sometimes will be like, so how are you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed. Or, you know, they walk through the door and it's like, oh, things are great. You know, God's just really, really there for me. It's like, and they do it every single time they walk into church four years. And I'm like, you are so full of it because the truth is nobody's life is always awesome. Nobody uh, is always on point and on game and nothing bad happens to them. And I would go doubly to say that's the way a Christian's life will not be. Yeah. Because everything I read in the scripture and in the history of the church is when you put your neck on the line, put your head on the block and you say, I'm a Christian, you're saying, all enemies of God throughout the universe, I side with the one you hate. So have at it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you start war with the forces of darkness in the entire universe. So don't think things are going to always go your way. Um, the other thing is, is you better pray. You better spend time getting to know this God and also talking to him and listening, spending time in silence 
in this culture that teaches us not to have any silence because that's going to be what gets you through hard hardships that are going to hit you um, and are going to hurt you in life. So what we have to do is basically get to the point where it's like hardships are going to come. I love God, so I'm going to get through it. And even if I don't get through it on this planet, I'll get through it in eternity. So when I read about like um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament, they got thrown into a furnace because they wouldn't bow their knee to a false idol, to a king who thought that he should be worshipped. Same thing today. There are going to be those that want us to cow down, back down, uh, basically say that what they believe is true and what we believe is wrong. And we just need to, in love, basically let them know, sorry, I don't agree. Uh, we're not cut from the same cloth. We might love the same things, but we're not cut from the same cloth. And that doesn't mean I hate you, not one bit. It means that I'm different than you. And it's funny, in, in a world that's so ready to embrace diversity, it sure is hilarious to me that they're not willing to embrace difference of opinion. Yeah. Right. Um, because I'm definitely all about diversity. Uh, our entire ministry is you know, having punk rockers and hardcore kids and goths and metalheads and skateboarders and snowboarders, and surfers and, and hip hop kids. And, you know, also kicking it over to nerd them and reaching kids that are into comic books at the same time. I, I love having that diversity and shaking it up. And I just keep bringing that up because I, I was listening to something earlier this week and it, it just bothered me because it seems like the second you say that you disagree with somebody, they take it as you don't love them. Yeah. Right. I consider that garbage because I can love you and not have to give you a thumbs up about everything that you think or do. Uh, one thing, and you could take this whatever direction you'd like to, um, and as deeply as you'd like to, uh, what would you say is the biggest like misunderstanding about following God that you have grown and learned through, like being part of the scene or what is like the biggest I guess kind of like change of perception of outreach and evangelism that you've grown through. I'd say go one of those two routes. I think it's time. Um, the biggest misconception um, I had about uh, sharing faith was um, the time it takes to share your faith. Um, when I first came into ministry, um, and, and let, let me even go back to high school, um, when I was in high school and uh, living in Alaska, um, the two guys that I met first when I lived in Alaska, one was a pothead and one was an alcoholic. And uh, both of these guys were friends of mine. I guess it was the second week of school. Um, they said, hey, we're going to go watch a movie. And so uh, I had a car. I said, yeah, let's go do it. And we drove all the way to Anchorage, which was about an hour away. On the way to the movie, um, I shared with them my belief systems and shared with them the gospel, <laughs> uh, the good news about Jesus, what Jesus was all about. And so we watched a movie, and then I drove home. And because they didn't convert on the way there, I shared with them about Revelation and what was going to happen to those that uh, rejected Christ in, in the end times. Boy, was I stupid. As a young man, I just didn't understand. When I got into the scene, um, I realized that I was already starting at a negative 100, and I needed to get back up to ground zero the second somebody found out I was a Christian. So what I needed to understand is that it takes time to prove yourself, to show people that you really care, that they aren't a notch on your belt. It takes time. Now, that doesn't mean that you never, ever share your faith, that you hide, and that you're a chameleon, because I really disrespect fake posers. I, 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 there's something in me from skate days. I don't like when somebody claims to be something that they're not. But you don't need to immediately smack somebody upside the head with a Bible or with the fact that you're a Christian if you're going to a show. At the same time, if you live in that for mul multiple months and multiple years and you're just hiding and disguising who you truly are, then I would say, are you truly a follower of Christ? Because we have to put our neck on the block at some point. 
And what I would say is, you don't have to be a prick to be a Christian. You don't have to be a bigot. You don't have to be somebody who doesn't love people. Um, but what you do have to do is be authentic and real. And when Jesus basically uh, died on a cross for you, you have to be willing to say what you believe. So if somebody asks you point blank, you better say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And if they're like, why are you a Christian? I, I think this is an easy, easy thing that happened to me years ago. Um, there have been multiple times in my, my life where um, I've been working for Youth for Christ, and I've had to go get a part-time job because I love what I do, but sometimes it just doesn't pay. And um, so I would go to Best Buy, and years ago when I first moved to Maryland, I went to Best Buy and got a job. Well, one of my, my friends at the job was an atheist, very hostile to Christianity. Now, he wasn't a satanic atheist like I've met over the years. That The reason that they claim Satanism is because they hate Christianity and they want you to know it. But um, they're really an atheist. Now, this atheist friend of mine, we had lots of discussions about God and faith. One day, I was waiting for my wife to come pick me up. And um, I remember uh, he was out on a smoke break. And he's like, hey, I want to talk to you for a bit about what you believe. He's like, well, after getting to know you over the past couple months, you're a really intelligent guy. Why are you a Christian? And uh, he just asked me straight up. And I told him, I said, well... I said, the disciples were not people trying to establish a religion. The disciples were not people who were trying to make money and build a gigantic church that they could live off of. I said, what the original apostles and disciples were, were people who experienced something that they could not explain. That they saw Jesus resurrect from the dead. And that this Jesus didn't just claim to be a man, but he claimed to be God. And they had seen him perform miracles. And these guys, who were not trying to start a religion, all went to their bloody deaths or claiming that Jesus rose from the dead for no physical gain, for no uh, material gain, for, for no other gain than to tell the truth of what they saw. And I said, all 11 of these dudes, minus one who, who killed himself because he knew he betrayed Jesus, <laughs> All 11 of these dudes had their heads chopped off, were ripped, you know, piece by piece, crucified upside down, boiled in oil. And, and I just kept going down the list of how each one of them was tortured, claiming that Jesus was the Son of God. And I said, and all they would have to do is say, nah, man, I just made it up. You're right. Nah, that's, it wasn't real. But because they refused to betray Jesus and to betray the truth, they all died gruesome deaths. And I said, and even though I never met one of these guys, the story is compelling. And the history of what actually happened is compelling. So to me, that's important. And what he said afterwards is he said, man, I never realized you had a real reason why you believe. And I said, and that's only one of the reasons. And I yeah. can talk about any other ones. But the thing is, is I think... It takes relationship to share your faith. And I think a relationship takes time to form. And I, I really, I, I want to point on that because you might have a friend who's hostile to Christianity. But if you build a relationship with them and they get to know you, then maybe they won't be so hostile to what you believe because you're painting it a little different than um, some political party might paint what you what, what they think you believe yeah that's it's interesting that you brought that up because this past week that's been on my heart uh really heavily um I was thinking about how one of the things that i just like i no longer believe in a god that is dead set on like urgency um in the way that i grew up thinking about it where very 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 similar situation um where i would have those conversations with friends where i would get discouraged if there wasn't an immediate, you know, like realization that they needed Jesus. Um, and I put like so much emphasis and importance on like those conversations, um, that I, I wasn't loving them like in the day to day. Um, but I was just kind of like really fixated on having these moments. Um, so it wasn't like, a having a prepared and ready heart. It was more so like trying to cause situations for, uh, for me to tell them, you know, 
what what I thought they needed to hear um, instead of walking through it with them. That's something very much on my heart is, you know, I want somebody to go through um, go through the process God intends them to go through in their life to discover who he is. Mm-hmm. This You don't just worship a belief, you know. I don't worship a religion of Christianity. I worship a living deity, an actual living multidimensional super being who is real. He's not an idol. He's not a philosophy. He's not... Um, a church building, or he's not, he's not the cross up at the front of the stage. I'm worshiping a person. And my relationship with him is something intimate that I have with God. And it's not always me kneeling down in my basement praying. It, a lot of times it's me driving in my car and saying, Jesus, man, this happened today and I'm not happy about it. Or Jesus, this happened today and thank you for creating leaves to fall off trees because that just totally spoke to me when I got to see, you know, that tree that was having the sun reflect off of it and, and just blows my mind. I'm a, I'm a very Celtic Christian, so nature speaks to me a lot. Um, so I believe that everything God has created is for his glory and the more we give him glory through what he's created and we just acknowledge that he's one hell of a painter and he has made some amazing things, that's where I really connect with God um, outside of, of um, the personal words he speaks to me. So uh, what I would say to anybody who's listening um, to this podcast uh, and, and this conversation, if you have questions that you want to go deeper, you can contact me at loyal at unifiedunderground.com. Or if you want to check out what we actually do, you can go to unifiedunderground.com. And I love to talk to people about faith. Or if you totally disagree with what I said and want to you know, pick on a point, let's, let's talk about that too. Uh, it won't be anything I probably have never heard. So we can definitely discuss this stuff. But um, I want to help people find truth. I want to help people that seek truth find that truth. And Unified Underground, you know, our entire like mission statement is establishing truth in the underground. I've been in the underground for years, and I stand as one to establish truth in it. So let's talk about truth. Like, I was thinking back, like, early in the beginning of, like, my walk and, like, introducing people to Jesus, like, in my natural passion to want to be, like, fruitful, I would be over-assertive. And now growing to understand how, like, the kingdom is as if a man were to sow seed rather than the kingdom is a man sowing seed, watering seed, planting the seed, watching the seed, waiting for the little reap to come up to reap it, like... I thought that was all my job, and it's not. <laughs> so I had like this stupid, terrible weight on my back of feeling like, like you were saying earlier, that I failed as a Christian because I gave someone the gospel and it didn't work. When really Jesus was saying, like, the gospel does work. You just have to patiently love them. It's long suffering. It's dying to self. And then them seeing that over time, they understand that what you mean is sincere. And through that, they see something consistent, not just something that seems like it's all in one moment. Like, it's constant like character of god so like that's something he's been growing me from and like by god's grace i've become a lot better with like you know not rushing it but feeling comfortable and confident and just seed planting and when that time comes like the father will prepare the reap for it to be reaped and it's going to be great and everyone's going to celebrate that whether people who've sown from times or years ago to people who just recently get to see it all happen and God is big enough that it's not always us. It's not always yeah. us who, uh, it's all the parts, you know. Maybe maybe we plant one little seed. Maybe, um, you know, maybe we get to reap one time. But pain and hurt have, be, have been done to underground people by either their own concepts of the church or sometimes even Christians in the church. So... Sometimes we just need to be that one shining light through the clouds that these people see uh, to open their heart to maybe listen. And uh, that doesn't mean that that uh, is a cop-out of why you can't share your faith all the way through. But I do believe that we have to be very sensitive to where that person's at and what is the timing that God 
is presenting in their life of his story with their story. Yeah. Yeah. To, to me, it's like a reflection of how much like I don't truly trust God and the Holy Spirit to do the heart tugging when I'm in a place of like urgency um, in, in the terms of like how I th- thought of it years ago. Um, we're yeah. just, just like Calvin said, thinking that it was all my job, thinking that so much of the, um, the, the burden was on me, um, not recognizing that, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Like he, he's called us to obey. Like he hasn't called us to fabricate fruit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, Loyal, thanks so much for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Calvin, gosh, thank you so much. And yeah, I'd be happy to come on anytime you guys want. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely be in talks. We'd love to, um, I don't know, go from there and talk about different aspects and where you guys are currently as a ministry. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to track with what Loyal has going on, you can check out unifiedunderground.com. If you like what you've heard, uh, go ahead and share the episode. Uh, we'd love if you would hop over to our website, letgoddie.com. We have a contact section and you can sign up for our email list. And uh, stay tuned for our next episode. It's going to be with Carl Fisher, the owner of Alabaster Coffee in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Have a great Christmas, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for your time.